This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. This is digital editor Al Lunsford with Lynx. And if you're like me, you are consumed by the Olympics in Tokyo and you have Olympic fever and you've watched a bunch of sports that you forgot existed until now and and the last time you watched them four years ago. You also may be wondering, because you've seen golf on the schedule, uh, what golf in Japan is like. And to that matter, I have brought on uh, one Jim Frank, who joins us again on the podcast, who has been there and done that and played golf in Japan. Now, Jim, what sport have you watched on the Olympics that you've just been fascinated by, or you, you were flipping through channels and saw and, and decided to spend some time watching? Interesting question. Now, I'm a, I prefer the winter Olympics to the summer Olympics just because when it's winter there, where it's played, and here, I'm more likely to be indoors. So I have been watching, and I find a lot of the Olympic sports, swimming, running, you know, kind of dull to watch. The gymnastics, of course, is great. I I have spent a little bit of time because I found something called uh, three-on-three women's basketball. I don't know if you've seen that one, where it's like a half court. Oh it's yeah, a half court basketball court, and it's and it's three very tall women on each side playing something that kind of looks like basketball. I don't know. I saw about twenty seconds of it, and I don't know if that was a highlight reel or a gag reel, but whatever it is, I you know um, that's been most of my. Olympics watching some of the highlights, of course. Um, uh, haven't spent a lot of time on skateboarding. I mean, a lot of these things like the judo and the taekwondo and things like that, I just don't know enough about the sport to appreciate it. Um, you know, we 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 pay so much attention to gymnastics and track and field because that's what we're good at here in the U.S. And um, and honestly, I'm not getting up at two thirty in the morning to watch much of anything. So. <laughs> Uh, but but there's golf for the second time in recent history, um, and we're not going to go back and talk about when it was played in, what was it, 1904? And I think it was 1900 and 1904. I've written about that, too. So, you know, this is not... So, so Olympic golf is not a new phenomenon. It just was uh, about a century um, off the board. So, But it's back. Yes, it is. And they're playing in Japan. They're playing in Japan. We're... At the time we're recording this, the uh, the men's men's side of things is getting ready to start tomorrow, and by the time you hear this, that will have been over. But um, you will get to see uh, a course called Kasumigaseki, the east course there. I guess there's 36 there. Kasumigaseki. Yes. Oh well. Yeah, there's a there there's an east and a west course. Yeah, there are two. Yeah, and I've uh, one of the I don't want to say few Americans, but I can't believe they've had many play it um i went to japan and we can talk more about the trip because uh, the whole thing of playing in japan is it's a trip in itself just kind of getting it set up but uh, i 
played the East Coast at Kasumba Gaseki in 2014. And um, I have to admit that when I played it seven years ago, I was sort of curious uh, why it was so highly ranked because it's pretty flat, um, a lot of trees. The club and the clubhouse are pretty Spartan. You know, it's not like going to a hotshot private club in the States. And it is private, very private. You know, so I was there, played the course, and um, as I said, it's kind of dull. Well, it was redone a couple of years ago by Tom Fazio, and really a lot by his son, Logan, who's doing more and more work with his dad. Um, and I spoke to Tom uh, probably about this time last year because um, there was an article that I did for Lynx last year about the course, um, having played it, but then kind of talking to Tom about what he had done to it. And I was pleased that the very first thing he said said to me is that it, it was fairly flat and it was and it was very uninteresting and hard to remember the holes, uh, which I agreed with him for 17 of the 18 holes. And I'll talk about the one that is, you know, at the time that I played it, Kasumi Gaseki was still one of the courses in Japan, primarily in the northern part of Japan, and it's about an hour outside of Tokyo, that used to have two greens. And I don't remember, I think it was one bent and one Bermuda or some other. It was always, because of the funky weather they get, particularly around Tokyo, many of the courses used to have two greens with two different grasses, and they played them at different times of the year, all depending on the climate. Well, because of the improvements in grass technology, Tom and Logan were able to take out the two greens and put in just one, which, as he said, really gave them a lot of latitude, a lot more room to play with. So, you know, they added a little contour to the fairway. They added a lot more angle. Um, he said it's mostly a, now about where do I put it off the tee. It's really about, you know, it's really a first shot golf course, but there's still a lot of trees. Because as he said to me, trees over there, it's true, are sacred. You can't just chop down trees the way that we're doing here in the U.S. so much um, on golf courses or much anywhere else. You know, so he could move trees, and they did. But it's still a pretty tree-lined course. You know, they needed to move them primarily to get light in there and, you know, air, you know, kind of uh, air to, to, like, circulate, um, you know, because without it, the course, you know, the course will die. That you know, it's bad for the turf. So um, he he describes to me as a Parkland golf course with a lot of strategy. So, like everyone else, I'm very curious to see the golf course because, as he said, it wasn't very memorable, with a few exceptions. Um, so I'm very curious to see it. Yeah. Well, it has garnered a lot of uh, positive feedback from the players. I don't know if you've seen anybody, uh, any of those quotes and talking about it. Everyone thinks it's a great course and beautiful and all these things. So we'll see. It's a Hugh Allison design, um, which Hugh Allison is, seems like he's the, the godfather of golf architecture in Japan. Uh, what do you know about him and his style? What did you see at Kasumigaseki and and other courses you played while in Japan and learn about Hugh sure. Allison. Sure. Well, as you said, you know, he truly was the godfather of courses over there. Um, Allison, who was uh, also very well. So Allison, who was an Englishman, Charles Hugh Allison, Allison with one L. Um, 
was the partner for a while of Harry Colt, um, two Englishmen who did a fair number of courses over here. Um, but Colt had no interest in traveling to Asia, and Allison, who went there in the 30s, um, not, I mean, just about every notable course, certainly all the ones that I played, uh, as well as Kasuma Gaseki, Tokyo Golf Club, Hirono, those are the ones I played, Kawana, which is a resort course that is very well regarded. He either originally designed them, redesigned them, or in some way mentored the architect who wound up building them. Um, Allison was known for, well, his most famous thing are the bunkers. Um, these very large, very deep, usually surrounding greens. Um, and in fact, over there, those kinds of those kinds of bunkers are called Allison's. Um, and I referenced earlier the one hole on the East Coast that was memorable, which is number 10, uh, which is a par three. If you've ever seen a picture of Kasumi Gaseki, that's usually the hole that you see. Um, it's, you know, like a mid-iron, probably a short iron for these guys. I remember playing about 160, 170 yards. I don't think it was over water, but it was over some kind of a chasm. And then the green, and and then the green is sort of pushed up, uh, quite quite pushed up and surrounded by these very deep, um, very large <laughs> sand bunkers. Um, so it's quite a sight. It's very intimidating. And he used this a lot of places. He used a fair amount of fair amount of sand. And when I played the course, um, and you know, now we're starting to get into sort of the oddities of playing in Japan overall. So um, I was playing with a assistant pro who spoke very little English, young guy. Um, and he was pushing both of our bags on what looked like a giant, uh, like a shopping cart. Um, and the bags were on the front, and there was like a like a basket where there were kind of things kind of piled up. It was a rainy day, so there were towels, as I recall. And um, I was playing really well. I came off, and I think I was done on the ninth hole, and I was only two or three over par had stayed out of the trees, you know, down the narrow, wet fairways, and was putting really well. And I was really excited because I knew about 10, that that was the hole. And so I'm like almost running off the green with a threesome or a foursome of Japanese gentlemen ahead of us that I kind of had to wait on. And I like finally go running up to the green, and I'm, you know, starting to sort of plan my shot when this, when the pro caddy, I don't know, kind of personal shopper, whatever he was, traveling <laughs> traveling with me, runs up behind me and says, oh, no, no, you can't play it now. You have to go into the clubhouse and have lunch. Now, it is not unusual at private clubs in Japan that lunch is part of the day. So often, sometimes, is a bath. I was not invited to take any of, of the baths, although I did see the bath rooms, rooms with great big Japanese communal baths at all of the private clubs, but I couldn't go play. I had to go in to this rather drab, austere clubhouse, sit alone at this little table being stared at by the members, and the meal that day was, I will never forget, beef curry over rice. Now, okay, it was a wet, cool day, but, you know, 
It's not what you wanted to eat and then go back out and play <laughs> golf, particularly come to the next, to this famous hole that I was just dying to play well. Well, and, and, and you're on their schedule. They tell you when you can go back out. It was 45 minutes. So I'm all excited to play. I get told I can. I have to go into the clubhouse, sit down and eat, and then wait, and then go back out. So by the time I've eaten this gelatinous stew, uh, and sat for 45 minutes, um, my game, whatever I had of it, was gone. I know I managed to miss the bunkers, but that's because I was so far left. And uh, and I don't remember much else about the round, uh, which is partly because, as I said, it's not a very, wasn't a very memorable course. So that was my uh, experience at Kasumi Gaseki. I assume the Olympians will have a uh, happier, more proficient one. And on a golf course that I'm as curious to see as anybody. So that gives you a little taste that things in Japan when you're playing golf are not quite what you expect. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly not what I would uh, pick to eat at the turn, as, as you said. Certainly the biggest problem there is the language barrier. Um, and even though Kasumigaseki and Tokyo Golf Club, which is where I played next, which is, they are next door. They actually abut. They are over a fence from each other. Uh, even though in the city of Tokyo, English is everywhere and a lot of people speak it, the language barrier is the first problem, if you want to call it that, one encounters in Japan. Sure. Uh, and it all kind of goes to the whole thing of planning to play there is, um, uh, well, you know, I can tell you the whole story or you can ask me questions, but it was, uh, it was weeks of planning. And until I sort of... Uh, found the holy grail i didn't know if i was going to get to play at all yeah well and i i've read too that back to your point about the the lunch is that's a pretty common practice for golf to be an all-day affair where you've, you've built in a, a huge lunch in the middle of it and um to think that people are telling their wives it takes them five hours to play rounds of golf in america i imagine yeah. what they're saying in japan Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are talking about the private clubs, which is, I mean, if there are public clubs other than resort clubs, I mean, there are, but it's not like here where there are so many more public courses than there are private, you know. Golf over there is still mostly a private club activity. And, uh, you know, even though the um, even though golf might not be quite as popular as it was in Japan back in the 80s and 90s when it was a huge deal and, you know, they were buying up a lot of courses in Hawaii. Pebble Beach for a while was owned by a Japanese consortium um it's still a big deal it's still very private it's still very corporate it's still almost entirely i don't know entirely male but very heavily male and um you know and they have a lot of a lot of rules but because it's a small country with not a lot of arable land everything is a is a long way out of the city so if you're in tokyo as i said it was an hour by train to both Kasumigaseki and Tokyo. Um, and in fact, uh, 
when I went, I stayed in a hotel that was part of the train station for the trains that go that direction, which I think was north and northwest. Um, Tokyo is a very big city with a lot of regional train stations. And it was a lovely, if small hotel, small because everything is there, you know, by American hotel standards. I mean, it was fine. And so the day I was going to Kasumigaseki, I woke up really early. And, and, you know, all this had been planned out for me. I worked with the with the Japanese tourist office. And as I said, I found this sort of magic helper. I'll tell you about it in a second. And I knew, okay, I had to be on the 610 out of the station. I, they had written down the name of the station I had to get off. So I got on the train. I may have bought my ticket the night before since I was in the train station because I didn't want to waste any time. No problem getting on the train. You know, it took it about an hour ride. And it's sort of like, you know, it's not the bullet train. It's somewhere between the bullet train and the, and the, and the New York subway. You know, it is a commuter line. Um, I got off where I was supposed to get off, walked downstairs, outdoors, uh, in the rain, as I recall. Um, and I was waiting in the parking lot for the bus. And it's like a little van that the club sends out on a predetermined route every day. And it picks up other people who are coming to the golf course to play. And I probably waited half an hour. And I didn't know. I mean, I, I just knew wait for the bus. And then, you know, cars come and other things. Come. And then a little, you know, kind of a 20-person bus van kind of thing. No markings. Pulls up. And I had to say, you know, are you the bus to the golf course? And, you know, the guy nods at me when I said, Kasumi Kaseki. And I get in with a bunch of Japanese gentlemen, all male, all older than I by considerable amount, and it eventually took us to the golf course, which was another probably 20-minute drive. Um, now, an interesting thing is my golf clubs were already there because in Japan, uh, far better than here, even with uh, FedEx or ship sticks or any of those things, when I landed at the airport in Tokyo, and again, all this had been sort of written out for me. I found the kiosk in the uh, somewhere in the airport for one of the Japanese freight companies that ships things anywhere in the country, including golf clubs. Um, I had the address of my first course, which in this case was Kasumi Gaseki. Had the address there, and they said you you know you had to have like two days. I gave it to them, and for the equivalent of about fifteen dollars, they said, okay, they like took my clubs. And when I arrived at the course two days, three days later, there they were wrapped up just fine, which is great. Problem was I was playing Tokyo golf club, which as I said, is next door. I mean, I could have thrown the clubs over the fence the next day, but I didn't want to take the clubs back to Tokyo and then back with me the next morning. And it was a, another other sort of little thing about, oh, about the next day. And so I'm trying to ask, someone at the club, you know, can you get my clubs over to Tokyo Golf Club, which is next door? I can see it. And they had no idea what I was talking about. Um, you know, the language difficulty for whomever the people were. And then while I'm standing there trying to explain what I want, I, um, there was literally a tap on my shoulder. And I turn around and there's a Japanese gentleman standing there. And in very fine English, he says to me, are you playing Tokyo Golf Club tomorrow? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, well, I'm a member there. I'm actually driving over there right now. I'll take your clubs and leave them there. And I'm thinking, 
I'm going to give my clubs to a guy I don't know. <laughs> but he hands me his card. I don't remember his name. I have the card somewhere. He was the president of the Yokohama Golf Club, which was, he told me, undergoing a core Crenshaw renovation either right then or soon thereafter and said, I have to come back and play it. And he said, he'd gladly take my clubs over. I don't have to worry. They'll be there in the morning when I get to Tokyo Golf Club. And damned if it didn't happen, just the way he said. So that was another, you know, just another one of these strange sort of um, happenings uh, on my trip. And then yeah. since I'm not going to let you ask me any questions, I'll just keep going. So the next day, it had been arranged, since my tea time was even earlier, they thought I wouldn't have time to take the train. So it was arranged for me to have a chauffeur car drive me from inner city Tokyo out to Tokyo Golf Club, which was the same hour. And so something like six in the morning, and I could have taken the train, I think, but whatever. Um, and I paid for it, and it was about $200. A uh, black, not a limousine, but a very big, I don't remember what it was. It wasn't a Lexus. I know it was some very big black car with a driver in a black suit and the hat and the gloves and the whole bit. Um, he was there, whatever it was, six in the morning. I go downstairs. I get in the car. He knows where we're going. There's a Wall Street Journal and a bottle of water in the back of the car. And I get this drive uh, out to Tokyo Golf Club, uh, which was, you know, another interesting part of this trip. And then when I was there, I had been paired with a member. Um, and let me get back to that whole thing about who you play with. I was paired with a member who, had, who it turned out, had lived in the States. Um, his English was very good. Um, we talked the entire round. In the rain, it was just an awful, awful day. He drove me back into Tokyo um, afterward. Lovely, um, lovely guy. But um, it was a lousy day. We played the front nine in, like, nothing flat, really quickly. Just, and wet, and, you know, rain gear, and soaked through, and all that stuff. And we come around to 10, and this time, instead of you have to have lunch, it was earlier, there were four foursomes of Japanese guests ahead of us, and all waiting to tee off. And he said, this is going to take forever. He said, come on, let's go inside, we'll have a cup of coffee and wait. And he said, and we'll have our, our rain suits dried off. I said, what? What do you mean? He said, well, um, there was a room sort of under the, as I recall, sort of under the balcony of the clubhouse, which is where you sort of come in with the cards and athlete, um, which was a drying room. And you took off your rain suit and you hung it up and, and it blew like hot air around in there so that when you came back, everything was dry. Oh, you can, you know, you left your shoes there and your clubs and whatever you wanted to, you know, like to dry off. And it, and it did. And we waited, again, about 45 minutes, had a cup of coffee or something, and talked. And then we went out, and we were still behind the four foursomes. So it was, you know, if the, if the front nine took an hour, maybe it took an hour and a half, the back nine took about four and a half. But, uh, and it just awful rain and mist. But we had a great time. You know, we talked the whole way around. Lovely guy. And, um, and then he drove me back into town. So, uh, you know, again, it's, you know, these are the... I mean, anytime you play golf overseas, you get interesting experiences. But I just found that Japan, um, every round was an interesting 
experience. So, yeah, it sounds like you had a few. Uh, <laughs> Any questions? Well, I think the biggest thing I took away from that was why don't more golf courses have drying rooms? Love to see. Isn't that, that a great idea? Yeah, that's a great idea. I don't know if they had it elsewhere. I mean, I saw it there, and you know, and it's a rainy city, or that part of of the country is pretty rainy, so it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it sounds like you uh, had some uh, some guardian angels out there helping you around and making your trip as smooth as possible. So, and that's the key. Yes, that's the key. I'm just gonna, so when I was starting to set this up, um, the first thing you do, of course, is you go online and you Google how do I play golf at whether it's Tokyo Golf Club or you know whatever. And um, I spent days kind of doing this and you know and you read a lot of other people's stories about playing so everyone knows about this um the private clubs sort of look the other way but there are there are people who can help arrange for you to play as a guest and that's kind of the secret thing you have to find a service someone who acts as sort of a broker for you who connects you with the club or a particular member of the club and so that everything is sort of lined out because when i got there having heard how difficult it was i was amazed that both both kasuma gaseki and tokyo golf club as i recall had a huge area of guest lockers so they expect guests but they're mostly other japanese and there must be some way whether they all whether there's some kind of a network or it's corporate or something but for outsiders, you need to find this broker. And I uh, worked with a company that still exists. In fact, I was just in contact with the owner, a lovely woman by the name of Masako Takai. Um, and she runs this company called Esprit Golf, E-S-P-R-I-T Golf.net. That's how you find them. And... She arranged for me to be a guest, quote unquote, at both Kasumigaseki and at Chokyo Golf Club. And now, again, this was 2014. I just emailed with Masako in the last couple of days. She's still in this business. And her business is really doing trips for Japanese who want to play elsewhere, in Asia, in the States, Hawaii, things like this. And if you go to the website, espritgolf.net, You'll see, you know, tours of Japanese courses, mostly the public and the resort ones. And they'll set you up, you know, hotels and meals and, and a guide as well as golf. They'll do all that. But if you send her an email and say that you're looking to play, you know, the really hard to get on private courses, um, she can work some magic. And... Uh, and, you know, there are probably other brokers that do this. I've heard stories of them. Some are more reputable or uh, reliable than others. I had absolutely no problem and could not recommend Esprit Golf any higher. Um, and uh, one of the reasons is Masako uh, is Japanese, was born there, actually went to college in the States and lived here for a while and then went back to Japan, got a job in finance and started playing golf as a, you know, uh, in her probably 20s or 30s and saw this market and uh, put her sort of business acumen 
in it and as I said runs Japanese golf tours and but helps others through this underground but everyone kind of wink wink we know it's their network so that's how you do it um, and as I say she set me up at both Kasumi and Tokyo Golf Club and uh, you know that's the that's the key it's not cheap either you know the rounds back then were over $350 a round um, but and I can't imagine they're any less but I remember my host at Tokyo saying um, you know that all the clubs partly because of the downturn in the global economy sort of you know less interest in the game over there these very private clubs were getting a little more open and you know more aware that they needed to um, be more accepting of overseas visitors you know they were also aware that the Olympics were coming so there's sort of a almost a almost a national um, campaign to sort of open up these private clubs a little more um, I don't think you know as with the private clubs in Great Britain that you can just you know kind of go online or you know write a note and have a key time but you can get on I just you know start way in advance and in particular in the case of the third course I played which was Hirono Golf Club which is another Allison and is uh, widely recognized as the best course in Japan for sure probably Asia it's always ranked in the top probably 20 in the world by the various ranking agencies Hirono is very rolling there are blind shots there are those same great big Allison Alice at Sand Bunkers, a uh, lot more character. And and as I said, I don't remember how I got connected to a member, um, but I did. Uh, I was actually staying. My son at the time was living in Japan outside of Osaka, which Hirono is probably about an hour from Osaka, which is a bullet train right away from Tokyo, so it's a ways. Um, and this gentleman came and he picked me up at the apartment, and we drove, and again, it was another hour or so on a beautiful day and uh, although he had also lived in the states for a while he did not speak very much english and the one topic that we could sort of agree both in terms of language and uh, maybe maybe facility to talk about were the boston bruins he was a big hockey fan he had lived in boston and he wanted to talk about the bruins which i didn't know a lot about but i could kind of fake it we didn't talk a lot during the round uh, a third gentleman joined us, a friend of his, and they talked most of the time in Japanese. But the course certainly made up for it. I mean, if you only only can play one course in Japan, Hirono is the one that I and many other people would recommend. Again, something like Esprit Golf can help make arrangements. Um, the other course I wanted to play and did not get to is a resort course called, called Kawana. That's K-A-W-A-N-A. And there are two courses there. I don't remember which one it is. Also Allison, which is supposed to be wonderful. Called sort of the Pebble Beach of Japan. It's on the water, but that's about all I know about it. And I've seen some spectacular. I would go back in a second. Uh, anyway, I love Japan. But I would try to play Kawana, uh, as well as all those places. Again, it just it was uh, a lot of fun. I will. There are the, the last thing I want to talk about is is getting around around the country when you have your golf clubs with you. As I said, you know, I didn't need them the first 
couple of rounds. And after Tokyo Golf Club, I took them with me. And when we were going from Tokyo to Osaka, I think I could have had them shipped, but I, I don't know why it didn't kind of work out. So it's not uncommon to see people with golf clubs in Tokyo, uh, but not a not a bag and a travel cover on wheels, stuff like that. And um, everything you hear about, you know, the trains and stuff, they're pretty crowded. And a couple of times I had to sort of drag them in and hug them while being squeezed among the Japanese commuters. Um, it's a good thing that I'm taller on average than they are, which helped. Um, and then kind of dragging them from a train station to another train station. And it's a lot of trains to get around Japan, although very efficient. Um, they even were on the bullet train with us. Then though, sort of my favorite thing about all that, because that was all pretty easy, but when we were leaving our son's apartment uh, in Osaka to head back home, so it was from the apartment to the train station in Osaka to the, by train to Tokyo, where there's a train from the Tokyo main Tokyo train station out to the airport. Um, so we call a cab to take us to the Osaka train station, and the cars are not all that big. Um, I'm 6'2". I had my wife, we each had a suitcase, and I had this giant dog bag, um, which was not going to fit in the trunk. I mean, the, the two suitcases barely fit in the trunk. So um, we sat in the back, and the, and the golf clubs were strapped into the passenger seat, um, which in Japan is on the left side, um, with the driver. I mean, in with the seatbelt around it, um, just barely, they got in. And that's how we got to the Osaka train station. And from there, it was relatively easy to drag a suitcase and a golf bag, you know, on on a train, off a train, through the train station, on a train, off a train, through the train station, to the airport, um, where the uh, airline was very comfortable handling the golf bag. It just, there were things like this, you know, it was seven years ago. I can't believe it's changed very much it was um there were very few moments when i when i lost my temper or nearly lost my temper just because it was so much kind of dragging i think just because it took so much arranging beforehand but um what i just got an hour of stories out of it there are more <laughs> um it was uh truly like nowhere i've ever been not a lot of people not a lot of americans can say they play golf over there it was great and um I hope that the Olympics, you know, sort of, uh, and the end of the travel restrictions from the pandemic, uh, happen soon and people start to travel. That's what, uh, when I was talking to, uh, by email with Esprit Golf, uh, that was one of the things that, that she said, she said, do you think Americans are going to start to travel soon? I'm like, I hope so. It's a place to go. Not cheap, not easy, but very memorable. Well, it sounds fascinating. And I, I know a lot of people will be itching to, to maybe add a trip to Japan at some point in their future as, as sort of a bucket list item. And I'm glad we gave you the chance to reminisce a little bit. And there you have it, all you could want to know about Japan golf and, and so much more. You mentioned these these yeah. very high-profile courses. Hirono is, is called the Augusta National of Japan. Likewise, Kawana, you, you yeah. mentioned, is called the Pebble Beach of Japan. Do you want to play either of those or the Olympic venue? Oh, any of now? those, yeah. If Lynx needs another, uh, you know, a uh, whatever happened to Golf in Japan story, I'm, I'm, I'm on the line. You know, my, my hand is raised. 
Well, thanks for bringing us up to speed. I appreciate you uh, spelling everything out for us, and and now now I'm intrigued. You know, I I think I've got to find the time to make a double digit hour trip, and um, with a young family, it it seems like the perfect time to go to Japan, right? Oh, right. The uh, I don't know. We'll put it as fourteen hour plane ride. Um, really expensive. You know, foreign food, although there's a lot of tourist food. Um, but, you know, I just, I, especially Tokyo, I just love the city of Tokyo. It's fascinating. It's big. It's, um, it is bustling. Um, it's, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not around the corner. It's not an easy trip. Uh, it's not a place you can like rent a car and drive yourself. So there are a lot of obstacles, but um, as I said, I would go again in a second. Well, if you go, if you've been, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, let us know. In the meantime, thanks, Jim. As always, uh, this is the last episode of our of our season here. So, so thanks for capping it off with your experience. Look forward to catching up again soon in the near future. My pleasure. Thank uh, you, Al. Always a pleasure. <laughs>